So the title of the sermon today is Honesty and Integrity. And when David asked me about six weeks ago whether or not I wanted to speak, I, I said immediately that I would, uh, but I didn't know exactly what I was going to talk about, but I figured, you know, I'll just pray about it and something will come up and everything will be fine. So I did that and I prayed and weeks went by and weeks went by. I don't know if I just wasn't giving it my full attention or, or if God just wasn't ready to give it to me yet, but after about four weeks, I still had no idea what to talk about. And so one morning, I gave it a little extra fervor and still nothing. And the very next day, I uh, found myself dealing with a couple of companies, reputable companies, big companies, but uh, in a situation where between the two companies and my company, we had made a mess out of it. And I thought, well, there it is, honesty and integrity. So honesty and integrity in God's eyes, now I can't even, <laughs> there's certainly no way I can profess to know what honesty and integrity means in God's eyes. So what I am going to do is give you my thoughts on it and try to give a lot of scripture in there so that you can try to glean from God's word what he might say about it. The scripture that was read was a wonderful scripture, so thank you. Uh, this is Proverbs 2, now 20 and 21. Uh, this is from the NIV. So so you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. Okay, so many of you may know I have this young man, Nicholas Schlosser, who's working for me in the shop. This summer he's 18. He's a wonderful young man. He's very quiet, but he comes to the first service and doesn't say much. And so I called him into the office last week, and I sat him down because he's really, in, really an intelligent kid, really articulate. And I said, so, Nicholas, tell me what you can tell me about honesty and integrity. And he, he turned white. And then I realized, oh, no, he thinks I'm, like, calling him to the rug on something. I said, no, 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 don't worry, I'm just, I just want to hear your thoughts about it. And he said, oh, and I could see this burden off of his shoulders. And he said, well, I don't know. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, let's just start with something easy. Uh, what, like, what do you think integrity is? Tell me what you think integrity is. And this was his answer. I thought it was a wonderful answer. And while I'm telling you what he said, I have to just tell you that probably 50% of the ideas from this morning came from his 18-year-old brain. He's a wonderful young man if you get a chance to talk to him. But this is what Nicholas had to say about integrity. He said, well, it's one of the five tenets of Taekwondo. And when I was taking Taekwondo, I learned about it. And this is the definition that I was given by my martial arts instructor. Quote, integrity is always having the courage to do what is right, even if it's difficult. But oh, man, that's like a million-dollar answer. I could have looked up something in the you know, in the in the Bible and made my best stab at, or looked it up in the dictionary. But that's a great answer. So I thought, okay, that's good. So then I said, well, what does it mean to be upright? Because those are the two key words in the verse. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. And he said, well, I don't know. He said, there's a couple old guys in the second service, and any time I ask them how they're doing, they say, well, I'm upright and I'm going. I said, well, okay, it means you're still living. I know some of you have said that to him. You know who you are. Don't think that's quite what it means. So 
So what does it mean to be upright? I want to ask you a question. I, I think in our country, although this is probably true in a lot of places, that when integrity and honesty and morals get bent, a lot of times the reason is for money. Right? I'm not going to give you a political lecture, but we're in a mess with our candidates over honesty and integrity. So what about this? So who's, who's the character? If you could think of one person that's honest and it has integrity, who would it be? And so I thought, well, who is that? And I thought, it's Forrest Gump. It's for, he's always honest, right? To a fault. Have you ever heard somebody described that way? Do you know somebody that is honest to a fault? I have a friend named Shan that's been described that way by other people. To me. He's honest to a fault. So here's a quote from Forrest Gump, and we're going to dig into this a little bit because I think there's actually some gold in here. When I was in China on the All-America ping-pong team, I just loved playing ping-pong with my Flexo ping paddle, which everybody knows isn't true, but Mama said it's just a little white lie, and it wouldn't hurt nobody. All right? Okay. So let's dig into that. He has... Now, why did he say that? Do you remember in the movie? Because the Flexo ping-pong paddle company gave him $25,000. Right? And his mom said, oh... Yeah, you can probably say that, even though you don't actually play with that ping-pong paddle. But notice immediately what he did. As soon as he said it, as soon as he's done with the statement, which everybody knows isn't true, but Mama says it's just a little white lie and it wouldn't hurt nobody. So he immediately is apologizing for being dishonest, right? I think there's some gold in that. Okay. So I want to ask some of you the question. I put Linda on the spot earlier. I said, Linda, if I told you I would give you $10,000 to get on the television and say that you play the certain Selmer brand of clarinet, would you do it, even if you don't play that clarinet? And she looked at me and said, probably. Right? So you, you know where, that, where that's leading, right? Of course, I don't think that's appropriate, and I think even Forrest Gump knows it's not appropriate. It's not, it's not okay to bend your morals and your integrity for money. Now, that statement would imply that there are probably some times when you should be a little bit careful about what you say. You, can you think of a time in your life where you thought something and you thought, I better not say that, even if it's honest? The ladies are all shaking their heads. The guys are all kind of looking at me like, oh, no. Okay, guys, how about this? You all maybe had to answer some form of this question, although maybe not directly this question. Sweetheart, does this dress make my backside look big? Right? You, have you had that question? Or do I look good in this? Now, guys, you all know that's an easy question to answer if they look great, right? You say, yeah, you look fantastic. Wow, really good. But, but. What if your first thought is, oh, no, you look huge in that dress. It's ugly. Don't ever wear that again. What if that's your first thought, guys? Do you say that? Do you? Of course not. Of course not. So why? Right? Why? She would throw things at you? Okay. I, I would never say something like that to my wife. Mostly because I don't want to hurt her feelings. Okay? So so now I'm going to ask you this question. Is it okay to not be totally honest and forthright with somebody? Now, I would say being honest and being forthright are two different things. But is it okay 
to not be totally honest with somebody if by doing so you're going to really hurt that person. Think about that. Where does that where does where does that fit in your life, right? Okay. Of course I think the answer to that is yes. Okay. So here's here's what I want to say about that and then we're going to make our three points. We have three main points of the sermon. My idea is this, making an effort to be honest all the time, and I do think that you should make an effort to be honest all the time, does not mean that you should turn off your internal sensor and just say whatever comes to your mind to whoever you're talking to. That's, that's not what we're talking about when we say be honest. Okay, now, sometimes you do have to say hard things, right? We're under fire right now. I think you would all agree with that. As Christians, our beliefs are under fire from all directions. And at what point do you stand up? There's a line in the sand. Dick Just, my friend Dick, who comes to the first service, stood up in the middle of one of the services and said, wait a minute, this has been a few years ago, and said, we are corrupting what the Lord says in the Bible. Right? Where's the line if it's drawn in the sand? When do you stand up for your beliefs? How do you stand up for your beliefs when they're under fire? But you know something is wrong. It's food for thought, isn't it? Sometimes the difficult thing to say, sometimes the hard thing to say, has to be said. And I will leave that to you to decide when that is. Okay. So my first point is this. Your morals should never be compromised for money. I, if, if, just don't let that even creep into your mind. Okay? Now I'm going to tell you this story. Remember I told you there were three companies I was dealing with, and this popped into my mind about honesty and integrity. So I ordered a $6,000 machine. Okay, It's a very, very fancy, big, expensive machine. Okay, And it came to my house, <laughs> and FedEx somehow, there were two big aluminum extrusions on the top of this box, hit it with the forklift, and completely demolished one of the extrusions on the top of this box. I mean, this thing is bent like a banana. So the driver gets out and he says, wow. He said, man, I'm sorry. Are you Mr. Pancos? And I said, yeah. He said, your freight is damaged. He said, I'm going to fill out a report. And he filled it all out. And he wrote, so he said, you might want to take some pictures. And so I took the pictures. And he said, okay, I'm going to send this in for your claim. You just need to initial right here. And I thought, okay. So I initialed it. And then J&G Machinery who's a company that's been in business for 50 years, very reputable company back uh, in the south. I called them and I said, hey, FedEx wrecked my machine. What can we do? And they said, well, we'll send you two more fences. The base of the machine is okay. We'll send you two more fences. And they did. Okay. Which I was happy with. Then it realized that there were two boxes. Uh, one of them was bent badly. The other one was probably Okay. Right? It was taped to the other one, but it didn't look it didn't look damaged. But I didn't say that right away. And then a few days later, I got both boxes in the mail. So now I have the replacement for the one that was bent and a replacement for one that was probably okay. And I thought, oh, I don't really need that one. Gosh, maybe I should call them and tell them to send a call tag and send it back. And then I couldn't figure out which one was the left one and the right one. And to make a long story short... I did not immediately do the right thing, which was to send that fence back. That's what I should have done. Part of it was I was having a hard time feeling sorry for FedEx. They just wrecked my machine, and I'm still waiting, right? 
So I got a letter about a week later from FedEx. It was very nice, very real well-worded, and it said, Dear Mr. Pancoast, we're happy to inform you that we've decided to pay out your claim for damage in the amount of $370.65 to replace your damage rate. Now, the problem is I had received a bill, which I had forwarded to FedEx with my claim for $545.60. Now, FedEx is sending me a letter saying, we're going to pay $370 for what we damaged. So I thought, <laughs> that isn't right, is it? If you, in the parking lot, it, when we come out here after church, if you run into something with your car or run over somebody's wheelchair or smash into one of the other cars and do $1,000 of damage to their car, are you going to say, hey, I'll give you 700 Now we'll be okay, right? Because I think that's right. That's not right. It's not right, is it? So I called FedEx, and I told them that. I told the lady on the phone, hey, you can't pay 70% of the claim. That's not fair. And the lady clearly did not have the authority to change it. She spouted something about policy. She told me, ah, oh, we can pay out $25 per pound, and your item only weighs this much. And so far, that's how we came up with the $370 mark. And I said, she said, it's clearly spelled out online. And I said, that is the most Mickey Mouse thing I have ever heard in my life. I order a 4,000-pound machine, and one of the boxes get damaged, and you tell me you're going to send me $300 because you only pay $25 a pound? That's just not good. And she says, well, uh, that's our policy, and we think it's fair. And I said, okay, well, I need to talk to your supervisor because I don't think it's fair. She said, okay, somebody will call you in two days. Within two days, that's what she said. Somebody will call you within two days. I never got a phone call. But what I did get was another email that said, Mr. Pankos, we're happy to inform you we've decided as a one-time exception to our policy to pay you the additional whatever it was. I don't remember the amount to pay the entire claim. Don't expect this in the future. We hope that you won't hold this against FedEx for future shipping. And I thought, okay. Now, then my guilty conscience set in because I thought, okay, I called him up, and I yelled at that lady on the phone so much. They must have been recording it because the supervisor didn't even call me back. He didn't even want to talk to me. He just said, no, just pay him. I don't want to deal with the guy. Right? But then I thought, well, wait, only one of the fences was damaged. $250 for one fence, $250 for another fence, $45 for shipping. FedEx should only have to pay $290. Right? Right? So I sent an email to J&G Machinery that said, I feel slimed by this whole thing. I can't believe FedEx damaged that box. You guys did not need to send me two fences. I told you only one was damaged. I should have sent it back. I didn't. FedEx said they only wanted to pay $370. I yelled at them. Now they're paying the whole amount. You should send me a call tag because I don't want that other fence, and I'm going to send the rest of the money back to FedEx. That's what I told them in the email. The response was this. Now, 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 granted, bear in mind, this is a company that's been in business for 50 years. They take care of people. I get an email from the owner the next day that says, Ted, you're thinking about this way too much. It's going to be okay. Just send us whatever check you get from FedEx and it'll be settled. Not, hey, you're right, we didn't need to send you that fence. Not, yeah, we just think FedEx should have to deal with it. 
none of that. So I didn't respond. Because by that point, I had come full circle, and I remembered this. I want you to remember that. I was really upset with FedEx because I felt like they were being dishonest, and I was upset with J&G because I felt like they were being dishonest. And I was upset with myself for not setting it all straight right away. It was a mess. It's a mess. Right? Remember this. Yeah. This is from Matthew 7.3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Right? I fired off an angry email. I sure told the FedEx lady what I thought. Right? But I was not fully accepting my responsibility for my part in it. Here's my second point. The first point was to bring it full circle. Full circle. Your morals shouldn't be compromised for money or in the name of customer service. That's what it said in the email. Uh, that was just good customer service. That was their response. Okay. Or any other reason, except if somebody might be really hurt by what you say, and then you have to carefully consider it. That was point one. Point two is focus on your own honesty and integrity. Okay? We all have enough of our own issues. Is it going to help you? If you start busting your neighbor over the head, that person's not honest. I'm going to tell him. Is that going to help you? No. Work on the plank in your own eye. That's point number two. Okay. Here's Proverbs 28:18. Whoever walks in integrity will be delivered, but he who is crooked in his ways will suddenly fall. Yeah. Here's, here's now the toughest part of this whole thing. So I have a friend. His name is Adam Andrews. He's a basketball coach. He's a friend uh, that's a piano teacher. Several years ago, he and I were coaching together at a little Christian school in Kettle Falls, and we have to take a bus trip from Kettle Falls to Pullman Christian in the middle of the winter. So you know what that means. That's four-hour drive, right? And so he asked me right about the time we're getting to Colville, he says, hey, i, I got to ask you something. This is really important. He says, I'm supposed to deliver a message on this Sunday. He says, do you believe in salvation by grace? And I thought, oh, boy, here we go. So, well, we got a four-hour trip, right? We might as well tear into this. So so I said, well, yeah, of course, man. Like, you know, we're not going to get into heaven by works. Is that what you're talking about? I said, of course. You, you, there's three things, right? you gotta, you got to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, right? You got to repent from your sin. That's one I think that some of us don't do all the time, right? So I said, yeah, I believe in completely in salvation by grace. And then he asked me the question that I was not ready for at all. I had no intelligent response to it. I think I probably just sat there with a blank look on my face. Here's the question. Okay, if you believe in salvation by grace, should you even feel guilty when you make a mistake or the word that he used? Should you even be worried when you chump it? Those were his exact words. Should you be worried when you chump it? And I said, what are you talking about? He said, you know, when you lie to somebody or when you're dishonest with your neighbor or you make whatever mistake it is. You sin all the time, right? You're a sinner, right? He points right at me and I felt totally convicted. Yes, I'm a sinner, right? He said, well, then why do you even worry about it if you feel like if you believe in salvation by grace? Okay, I was taken back 
Yeah, that's a good point. Why do I I feel so bad all the time? Why am I getting mad at these companies and sending these emails off? Right? Why am I doing that? I didn't have a good answer for him, but I've had some time to think about it. Here's some perspective, okay? Because my immediate thought was, of course you're supposed to feel bad when you do when you sin. Of course you are. You're not just you know go forward and sin no more, right? That was the one that I came up with on the spot. You can't just keep sinning. And he looked at me. Well, how about this? This is from James two seventeen. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Right? What does that mean? You have to live out your faith. There's the reason for the action. The action is not to get you saved, if you believe in salvation by grace, but your action should reflect your beliefs. Right? That's why J&G got that email. I'm not just going to stand by. Right? Okay. That brings me to my third point. It's important that you address your mistakes immediately. As soon as you realize you've made them, letting it fester is only going to make it worse, right? You ever heard the saying, oh, what a tangled web we weave? You've heard that saying? So what are the three points? Your morals shouldn't be compromised by money or in the name of customer service or any other reason you can think of. That doesn't give you license to go around hurting people. Right? Two... Focus on your own honesty and integrity. Remember the the verse about calling your brother to the carpet over the sawdust in his eye when you've got the plank in yours. Remember that. Three, when you realize that you've made a mistake in your own honesty and integrity, you have to admit it right away. I'm going to tell you a hard, hard story at the end of this if you guys want to hear this. I avoided this. I don't want to tell you this, but I'm going to because I think it will help the worst kind of dishonesty, in my opinion, and this is my opinion, the worst kind of lies are the lies that you tell yourself. Those are the most harmful lies. When you can convince yourself of something, when you know maybe originally you knew it wasn't right, but somehow you've talked yourself into it being okay. Have you ever done that? My own, my own father did that to me. When I was a young man, this is super hard. So my parents were having marital problems, and, and, and my dad picked me up one time from a sleepover at a friend's house. I think it was about 12, and he said, you know, I've underestimated on my taxes really badly. He was self-employed. He was a piano player. And he said, I'm going to have to. I called Mary Mitchell, who was his booking agent, and he said, I told her I just have to take every job I can get my hands on because I've got to come up with, I owe the IRS like $9,000. And I'm going to have to work every night. And I'm not going to be home at night. And I have to load and unload all the equipment. And I'm just going to stay at the studio. I'm just going to stay at the studio. That's what he told me. So then he left. Now, during that time, he was kind of in and out. I didn't see him very much. Now, my father was a super active father. He, you know, uh, he was always at all the games and really helping me. And, and, and then there was this time when he abandoned me, and I didn't realize yet that he had abandoned me. But one day, so he was in and out of the house. I was on the back porch um, building a spice cabinet for my mom. 
Because when I was 12 years old, my parents somehow decided it was okay for me to have a three-horsepower table saw, and I don't know. I look back on it, and I think, oh, my gosh. But I had all these crazy power tools, and so I was building this spice rack for my mom. and a hammer in my hand. I heard the phone ring in the house, and I went running because I thought maybe it was my dad. I hadn't seen him in a few days. And I picked up the phone, and there's this voice. And there's this woman's voice on the end of the line, and it said, is your father there? And I said, no, he's not here right now. Uh, not sure when he's going to be back. Can I leave him a message? And she said to me, well, I'm supposed to meet him for dinner tonight. I just wanted to let him know that I can't be there at 7. I'll be there at 7.15. And I thought, who are you that my dad's going to dinner with you and he's not home? And I think I might have even asked her. And then she realized I didn't know what was going on. I didn't realize my, my father was having an affair. He left me. He was not. There's no way he's sleeping in that studio. I know my dad well enough to know that. He didn't spend one night in that studio. I had a hammer in my hand. A hammer. I hung up the phone. As a 12-year-old, I was so mad. I have never been that mad in my life. And I said a few choice words, which I will not repeat here, even as a 12-year-old. And I hit the trim next to the door in my kitchen with that hammer as hard as I could hit it. Bam! Now, you can imagine what that did to the trim. There's a giant dent in the trim. Right? And my mom, who was in the next room, came in. She said, what are you doing? And I didn't even acknowledge it. And I walked off and she said, Tedrick, what is the problem? And I said, some lady just called looking for dad. I don't know who it was, but they're having dinner. And I went out on the back porch. Now, why am I telling you that story? That's terrible, right? Guys, don't do that to your kids. If you're tied up in some problem right now, take care of it. Handle it. Treat your family right. I tell you that story because years later, in my mid-20s, that relationship with of my father's, which turned into his second marriage, failed. He was staying with my new bride and I because he came to my house and he said, I don't have any place to stay. Your mom won't let me in her house. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I felt sorry for him and I let him stay in the extra room in our townhouse. And one day, as a 25-year-old man now, I said to him, Hey, why did you do that to Mom and I? Why did you leave? I don't understand. Can you just get, give me some, something? I, I, don't, I need to get it. And he said to me, oh, I never, I didn't do that. And I said, What do you mean? He said, I, I, never, had, I never had an affair. I don't know what you're just remembering wrong. You were a little kid. Maybe you just have a faulty memory. And and honestly, like I think this is what happened. I think he had lied to himself so much about what he did that he believed what he was telling me. Because I started to believe what he was telling me. Like, that, really? Is it possible? I is, I was 12. Is the timing all messed up? I don't get it. So I called my mom, and I said, hey, mom, I was really mad at my father. I said, do you remember, didn't dad leave us? For, didn't he have an affair with some woman and decide he was going to go? Well, he says he never, that never happened, and I swear it did, but I can't remember. 
And my mom was very calm, and she said, you know, you should come over here. We should talk about this. I don't think you should talk about this to me on the phone. So I did. I drove straight to my mom's house, and I sat down, and she gave me a glass of water, and she said, okay, look, do you remember this? And she put her hand up by that piece of trim that still had, you know, 15 years later, the giant dent in it. And I thought... You remember that. I was as hurt as I've ever been. Okay. I confronted my father about that later, and he eventually did come full circle and say, you know, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that, etc., etc. But the point is, don't lie to yourself. Like he had convinced himself that what he'd done there was okay. Okay? So that's it for me. You three points. I'll, I'll sum them back up. Don't compromise your, your values for money or an extramarital affair or customer service or wh whatever. Don't do it. There's only one reason why you shouldn't be totally forthright with somebody, and then you have to decide. Remember, there's a difference between honest and forthright. If I say something to this person, am I going to hurt them? That's the only time. Okay? Two, focus on your own honesty and integrity. Three, as soon as you realize you've made a mistake deal with it okay let's pray heavenly father i am thankful to be here to deliver your message um, a lot of us have hard things in our lives that we've dealt with uh, thank you for allowing me to speak rationally about that i ask that you would come and be with all the people here during the week and draw them closer to you help us act more like christians should act in honesty and in integrity and in the faith and uh, to be secure in our salvation, Lord. Uh, guide us and be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.